Welcome to this Summer Sabbath Sunday here at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Danny. And I'm Connie. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Our first lesson this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Psalms, and it's Psalm 145, verses 8 through 14. Listen now for the Word of God. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all He has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The godly will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up who, all who are oppressed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is Matthew, Matthew eleven sixteen through 19 and 25 through 30. Listen for the word of the Lord. To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not moan. For John, this is John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. And the Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, why don't we all come? We know that we are all weary and carrying heavy burdens. The way that we operate in our daily life prior to a national, uh, a pandemic, worldwide pandemic, prior to our national situations of racial unrest, life still was difficult. 
Day to day, we can be weary and our burdens are heavy. I heard of a mom who was having a horrible, terrible, no good day. She had missed a meeting at work. The car had broken down. The bills keep coming. And after she got home, she received more bad news about a family member. Things were just hard. So as she put her one-year-old in his high chair, getting ready to feed him, she kind of sat down and cried. When that one-year-old took out his pacifier and stuck it in her mouth with a face and a gesture that said, you need this more than I do. We are all covered. We are all weary. We are all carrying burdens. This passage is interesting. Let's take a look at it. So we're in Matthew 11, and if you remember last week, Jesus was getting ready to send the 12 out to do their work, to heal, to preach, to let people know that the Messiah is here and starting to make sure that people understood that the kingdom is near with Christ with them. So as we get to this passage, they have gone out and it picks up in 11, 16, and is talking to disciples and we think a crowd as well. Who shall I compare this generation? That's relatively familiar to us. You're like children. We played the flute, but you didn't dance. We wailed, you didn't moan. And then he makes this interesting comparison between John and himself, as if speaking to the critics of both of them. And this is John the Baptist. They criticized him as having a demon because he was so demanding, so hellfire brimstone, so repent, the end is near, so get yourself baptized. Well, okay, so we have the opposite spectrum, and then Jesus comes, and Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding, and Jesus enjoys the celebration of eating with people all the way through his ministry. He just wants everyone invited. And then Jesus says, well, you called me a drunkard and a glutton. So you dismiss John because he's too far this way. You dismiss me because I'm too far that way. What do you people want? You could even make liberal conservative, although these aren't absolute categories. John with his faithfulness and singular message. And then Jesus more wide open with his sometimes frightening inclusion. Wow. Neither of these are good enough. And the people criticize both and say, no, John's a little too that. Jesus is a little too that. So we'll stay somewhere in the middle and do nothing. 
We won't choose either one. We won't gravitate toward either one. We won't learn about either one. We're just uncomfortable with both, so we'll stay in the middle, keep our hands off. In this first part of the passage, Jesus is lifting all of these criticisms up and then ends this little section and says, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So the challenge, the first challenge I want to set out for you is to say that so often we play that same game. Maybe not with John the Baptist and Jesus, but with Jesus. And we can make Jesus into any and all kinds of personalities and ways. Pay attention to the things that Jesus says that we like. Stay away from the things that we don't like so much. Jesus got angry and said hard words to people. That is just as important as when he says kind and graceful words to them. So then what do we choose and what are we putting aside when we say, oh, a little bit of that, a little bit of that? How we choose dictates our life. I'd like to share a parable, children's parable with you. It is called Dreadlocks and the Three Bowls. See if you can see the connection here. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Dreadlocks. They called her that because from time to time, she seemed to live kind of in a place of dread and despair, sometimes hunger, sometimes sadness. Well, she went for a walk in the forest to clear her head, and quickly she found she was fatigued and hungry. Pretty soon she came upon a house. She knocked, and when no one answered, she opened the door and she entered. The house was empty. She walked right in. And right away, mmm, she could smell that delicious porridge. Dreadlocks, upon smelling the porridge, became even more hungry. She sat down at the table and looked at the first bowl. It had a name. It said, John the Baptist. I wonder who that is, Dreadlocks thought. Next to the bowl were directions for what she had to do to get the porridge ready. Directions? You mean I have to do something to get my porridge? I don't know if I like that. Well, the instruction said she had to take the bowl and repent or turn back to the wood-turning stove to heat up the already-made porridge. Well, she didn't want to do that. Who's got time for all of that? So she never tasted the porridge from the first bowl. Too much work. She saw a second bowl of porridge, and it said Jesus on it. She didn't know who that was either. She lifted the spoon to her hungry lips, and it was glorious. The first bite was perfect and delicious. Not too hot. Not too cold, just right. She was so excited to finally find the right porridge that would fill her hungry tummy. And in the process, she felt happier and less sad. Wow, this is great. 
But when she went to take the second bite, she looked around the room and around the house and for the first time noticed that the house was full of bowls of porridge. Every table, every chair, every closet, every countertop, every bathroom, every bedroom, every bed, every drawer was full of bowls of porridge. Hundreds, maybe thousands of bowls. Why is there so much porridge, dreadlocks proclaimed? Who can eat this much porridge? I know I can't. Are that many people coming to this house to eat that much porridge? Or am I supposed to take all of these bowls of perfect porridge around to people that were hungry like me in the forest? Now, how would I know who to give it to? Which are the right people in the forest like me that deserve it? What if people see me taking porridge to others and make fun of me? I don't know everything about this, how this porridge was made or how it got here. What if someone asks, asks me to explain it all to them? Well, I can't do that. I was just looking to feed me, not the whole world. Who's got time for that? So Dreadlocks put down her perfect bowl of porridge because it was too much work. She saw one more little bowl on the table toward the end of the table. It was small and only contained one little spoonful of cold porridge. The bowl said the world on it. She liked the world, nothing wrong with that. But the bowl itself was magnificent. It was shiny, it was colorful, it had sparkles and glitter on it, just like she loved. So she excitedly picked up the bowl and ate her one little bite. It was cool to the taste. But because she was so hungry and because the shiny bowl was so much fun, she decided she liked this cold porridge even better than the other two. Well, as soon as she had that one little bite, another bowl appeared next to the one she just ate. And so she moved over and she ate it. Then another appeared, then another, then another. Each time she ate her one spoonful, she wanted to eat more. And each time a new bowl appeared, she had to move down a little bit to get to it. Before long, the bowls had led her all the way through the house to an open window. But there, the bowls stopped. Because the bowls were so little, she was still very hungry and was now becoming tired from all the work it took to try to be full. Dreadlocks was starting to get sad and hungry again when she looked out of the window of the house she was in and saw an open window of the house next to her and a shiny bowl of porridge in that window. Hmm, I'm still hungry, Dreadlocks thought. So she decided to move to the next house and eat the cold porridge. And then when she got done with that house, she went to the next house and then to the next she worked and distracted herself all day, working so hard. 
in one house, eat, move over, eat, move over, out of the window of that house, into the window of the next house, out and up and eat and move. By the end of the day, Dreadlocks was exhausted. And even though she couldn't believe it, she was still hungry. She thought back to the first two bowls of porridge, especially that second one that seemed so perfect and fulfilling, and said, I might still be hungry and am exhausted and fatigued, but at least I didn't have to do that other work. Ha, good for me. That is the sad and tragic end. So we are often in a same position. Jesus was chastising them for being critical and not following both John the Baptist and himself. Well, you had John over here, he was a little too cold. Well, you had me over here, I'm a little too hot. What's right or right in the middle? Dreadlocks thought she had it, but she was working twice as hard to not even fill herself and convinced and fooled herself into thinking that that was the way to exist, to eat, to be fed, and to be renewed. So we know that that's not the case. We know that that second bowl of porridge that Christ is calling us can indeed give us the bread of life, give us living water. All of that, should we have the courage enough to choose him and take on his yoke. So the second part of this, 25 to 30, is relatively familiar. This passage that we lean on, especially 28, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How is that possible? Just like dreadlocks, she all of a sudden knew she was being called to take out those bowls of porridge into the woods and all these other poor reasons that kept her from being filled by that bowl, flooded her and shut her down and shut Christ out. How is the burden that we know so difficult? We know what we are called to do in our lives and in the world. It's not easy. It's 24-7. It's our lives. It's complete surrender and submission to Christ who is our Savior. God, our creator, Holy Spirit, redeemer, how is that easy and light? Well, let me share this, this passage uh, 28 through 30 from Eugene Peterson in his contemporary translation, The Message. He says it this way, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So the question remains, how do we live freely and lightly with Christ when we know the burden of ministry is great? The burden of discipleship is great. Well, we know, as Vicki discussed, the whole image of the yoke is one that is more agricultural, one that takes care of oxen. And there was a pastor who went to visit a farmer who had oxen and watched. And in this case, there were two oxen. And while the first one was being yoked in, kind of that harness being put over him, the second oxen that was over in the field saw that and ran over and was ready to jump in also. So this was two oxen yoked together to do their work. At the end of the day, the yoke that we take on for Christ is not just ours. It is Christ's first and foremost, and he took on his yoke as savior of the world for you and for me and for us all. But we each are called to claim the yoke that Christ offers us. Christ offering us more work. What? Don't, don't I work hard enough already? It's not what you do. It is the substance and the passion of what you do. Is it feeding you? Sometimes, but we know that when we take on the ministry of Christ, when we agree to take on that yoke, that it's not just us. Christ already took on his yoke and comes over when we accept ours and says, I will be with you. We will do this together. And from there, we are yoked to all other believers as one giant team to maximize our work, our effort, our knowledge, our passion, our joy, to accomplish the tasks that we have been called to plow the rows that lay before us. When Christ says the burden is easy and the yoke is light, it doesn't mean easy like Sunday morning. It doesn't mean easy like hanging out, relaxing, watching TV. It means that we are going to share this together and we do not walk alone. All of the burdens that we are called to, all of the ways that we are weary from a life that keeps getting more complicated, more layers of onions that we, of that onion that we have to deal with that continue to make us weary. How do we sustain that? How do we stay above water? We accept the yoke of Christ because we know that we are with him and we are together. If you remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor, worked against the Nazis, placed in a prison camp and arrest, arrested and placed in a prison camp. And before he was executed, he would start each of these days with this phrase, 
O Lord, whatever this day may bring, thy name be praised. What a great way to wake up every day. O Lord, whatever this day may bring, thy name be praised. It was Bonhoeffer's way of symbolically putting on that yoke of Christ to say, Lord, I don't know, only you know what this day will hold, but I know that you are with me and we are bound together. And finally, along the rural roads of India. Anybody been to India? Raise your hand. Two, three, all right, good for you. Along the rural roads of India, rural, everybody say that, rural. Every now and then as you walk along, you will come to a post about shoulder high with a strong shelf built on the top of it. These posts are called Soma Tonga. S-O-M-A space T-O-N-G-A, Soma Tonga. People who walk these roads carrying loads on their backs can stop at a Soma Tonga, which means resting place. They stop, they put their burden, what they're carrying, on top of this shelf, and they rest a while before continuing. It is therefore not surprising that new believers in India call Christ my Soma Tonga, the one who gives me rest, the one who takes on my burdens, the one who renews my strength. So friends, let us go together out into a world that needs us to respond to our call. This is about discipleship, to accept that yoke, to accept Christ and the discipleship that we have been called to. And we know that this burden will be made light by the fact that we share and are bound with Christ and with one another as we go from here and into the world to do the work that we have been called to. The yoke's on you and me and the world. Let us go forward and work. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.